reality is it, it doesn't matter what they think of you. What matters is what He thinks of you. And the question that I have to continually ask myself, does it matter how they will respond? Well, pastor, I don't want to offend them and push them farther away. You do not have the authority to turn them away from the gates of heaven. God is sovereign over their lives and He calls us to do one thing and that's to proclaim the truth of the gospel boldly. We would like to welcome you to Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Pastor Stewart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina, and he has been teaching through a series on the book of 1 Peter. We hope that you will join us as we begin Getting in the Word. Here is Pastor Stewart. Well, this morning I've entitled our sermon, Effective Witnessing. Um, we've been working through the book of 1 Peter. If you're joining us for the first time, we are several weeks into that. Um, we're so grateful for this book. It's been a challenge. It's been an honor as well. And so we've been working through the book of First Peter, and we've looked at the outline that exists beginning at the salutation in chapter 1, verses 1 to 2. And then we look next section of Scripture was chapter 1, verse 3, all the way to chapter 2, verse 12, as the Christian's salvation. And then the next section was the Christian's relationship from chapter 2, verse 13, all the way to chapter 3, verse 12. And today we're going to dig in to Peter's response to the Christian's suffering and service. And that will carry us all the way from this verse, chapter 3, verse 13, into chapter 4, verse 19. This is a very important message in the life of the church, in the life of Christians because I believe that um, no matter how good we are at witnessing, we can all become better, effective witnesses for Jesus Christ. Statistically, um, if it's true, uh, ashamedly, the, the body of Christ present this morning, probably 80% have never shared the gospel from beginning to end with someone. That's the statistics. Now, I don't know how they get that, but... Um, I'm willing to bet if I had a show of hands, which I'm not going to do, it would probably be shocking. Because sharing the gospel is intimidating. But um, it is something that Christ calls us to do, to share our faith effectively. And so Peter, again, in the midst of all that's happening, he is writing this letter in the midst of great persecution. But even in the midst of great persecution, Peter wants us to make sure that we still see the need for becoming effective witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so without delay, let's begin our journey through the next few verses this morning. If you will, let's turn to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 3. And if you're new to the Bible, just go all the way to Revelation, start thumbing backwards, and you'll come across the book of 1 Peter. Beginning in chapter 3, verse 13, let's read. Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation, or do not be troubled. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness, with reverence. 
and keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better if God should will it so that you suffer for doing what is right than for doing what is wrong. In our culture today, Christians are being persecuted for their faith all over the world. Some are different levels of persecution, um, but the reality is, is persecution is persecution. They persecuted Jesus Christ. They persecuted the church then. And today, there is an ever-growing hatred for Christianity. There's not a hatred for other religions, but at the name of Jesus Christ, there becomes a level of hatred. You can talk about God, you can talk about everything, but at the moment Jesus Christ is announced, there becomes a hatred for Christianity. People are losing their lives for the sake of Christ. People's jobs are suffering because of their relationship with Jesus Christ. Businesses are being shut out, closed down because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And really and truly, it's all because of a connection, a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, Peter is going to give us good, clear direction on how we should become more effective Christians, even in the light of persecution, which we may begin to see or endure more and more as we grow into the future. As the time approaches, as Christ's return becomes closer and closer, persecution will abound even more. But I believe that Peter points us to four things that will help us in the midst of that. Become better effective witnesses for Christ. Listen, no matter our circumstances. First, we need to be, he says, zealous for good. Secondly, we need to be bold in persecution. Thirdly, we need to be ready to share. And fourthly, we need to be conscious of good. Let's look at point number one. We need to be zealous for good. He says here in verse 13, Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? Peter starts out with a rhetorical question. He asks, Whom will harm you if you prove zealous to be good? Now, Peter knows the answer. And he understands that under normal circumstances, normal situations, when you do what is right and you do what is good, you should not expect to endure pain and suffering or it to be directed in your way at all. Now the question that we have to ask ourselves is, are there people who do right and do well and honor the Lord Jesus Christ and experience harm? Of course. But he doesn't go there yet. He says that we are simply to be zealous for what is right. Now the word zealous here is, it communicates someone that is deeply committed. Something uh, that we need to be zealous for or enthusiastic about. And so the question that I had to ask myself, and I hope that you will ask yourself this morning, is are you zealous for Christ? Are you zealous for that which is good? Now, these Maccabees, during the time 
in which we read about the Jewish people, there was a group called the Zealots. And the Zealots uh, strongly obeyed the Mosaic law, and even going as far as being violent towards those that would break the Mosaic law, trying to prevent their religion from being violated, and therefore they called these people Zealots. Now, there's a good Zealots, and there's a bad Zealot. We don't want to overdo it, but the reality is, as your pastor, I want to be zealous in my walk for Christ, for that which is good. And I hope this morning that you have the greatest desire to be a zealot for that which is good as well. That we could be zealot for the Word of God. That we could be excited and committed. And I want to be zealous for that which is good for the Word of God. Are we excited? Are we committed to that which is good in our lives? How my heart longs for us to grow like never before in this community and in this church. How I long for us to make a genuine impact in the lives of those outside of these doors. I have a great desire for you to grow spiritually. I have a great desire that you grow in your faith. But I have a greater zealot that those outside of these doors will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to make sure that in the midst of that, we have lives that desire to be zealous for good and being righteous. Who will harm you if you are eager to do what is good? The reality is, as you may. You may be mocked. But the reality is, as we're called here to be more zealous for doing good, for loving the Lord Jesus Christ, being more zealous for the things of God than to be zealous for that which is temporal. You see, we can be enthusiastic about other things many times. And we find ourselves being more zealous or excited or committed to the things of the world rather than to the things of God. And I think Peter here wants to draw us to the reality that you and I as believers, as followers of Christ, need to be zealous for those things that are good. Because this world wants to draw you away from God. He wants to draw you from doing the things that are good. And we need to make sure that we are witnessing with zeal that the Christian faith we need to understand is something to be excited about, something to get oh so passionate about. Because it's the grace of God. We need to be excited about coming to church, sharing our faith, preaching the word, witnessing. Listen, it's something to be done with zeal. And listen, I understand that only God can give us that zeal, that desire, that passion by indwelling us with the Spirit of God and ridding the world and filling us up in the Spirit so that we might walk not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And my prayer is that you will be more zealous for the Lord Jesus Christ and the things that are good now more than ever because the world is dying day by day. The culture is slipping day by day. And if we... Those that have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, those that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, those that walk in the church are not zealous for the things of good, 
then who is going to reach the world for Jesus Christ? We can't expect to be effective witnesses if we don't have a zeal, an excitement, a commitment to the things of God. The reality is in order to be an effective witness, we must be zealous for those things that are good. He says here in Galatians 6, 9, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. It also says in Hebrews 10, 24, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works. But in the midst of having a zeal for good, for having a passion a desire to proclaim the gospel among people to do good works, to to focus on the good things of life, we need to be aware and reminded of Matthew 6, 1 that says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. How much of the good work do we do is to draw attention to ourself. We must be aware that in the midst of doing good, we don't lose sight of our own pride. All that we do is to the glory of God, not to the glory of self. And that's why we are reminded in Psalm 69, 8, when he says, Give unto the Lord the glory due to His name. All of it. All of the glory belongs to God. That doesn't negate the fact that we ought to have a zeal for the things that are good. We need to have zeal for the truth, but yet we need to be bold, secondly, in persecution. We need to be bold in persecution. Now, I don't believe that Peter is saying that you will never receive persecution, but in light of eternity, listen, no one can harm you if you are walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a reality. Matthew 10, 28 says, Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's the reality. You can be bold for Christ in the midst of persecution. You can be bold in persecution and therefore be effective witnesses no matter your circumstances. They will lash out at you verbally. They will try to affect you mentally. They may affect your circumstances, your job, your situations, maybe even mess you up a little bit physically. But listen, they can never mess with your eternity if you are in Jesus Christ. Therefore, we can be bold. How have you been? Have you been bold in your faith to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord? My encouragement is to be bold in your faith. You Listen, you have opportunities every day to be effective witnesses. And if we are not confident and bold, we will be ineffective. We must be bold. Even when we're persecuted. You share the gospel with a family member and he laughs at you and mocks you. When you share the gospel with somebody and they throw a track back at you and say, I don't need your Jesus. 
when you go and proclaim that I am a follower of Jesus Christ, young people, and you're laughed at and you're mocked and you are called the holy roller, it's okay. Be bold in your faith. Be bold. He says here in verse 14, but even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, it says you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation. Do not be troubled. I'm curious of how many Christians walk around handicapped, paralyzed because of fear of what others might think of them. The reality is it doesn't matter what they think of you. What matters is what he thinks of you. And the question that I have to continually ask myself, does it matter how they will respond? Well, pastor, I don't want to offend them and push them farther away. You do not have the authority to turn them away from the gates of heaven. God is sovereign over their lives and He calls us to do one thing and that's to proclaim the truth of the gospel boldly because we worship a powerful God who is loving and compassionate and gracious and will draw men to Himself if we will just simply be bold in our faith. It doesn't matter if you should suffer. If they won't like you anymore, that's okay. Uh, you got me. I'll stand there with you in the fire. I'll go through the valley with you. You stand up bold for Christ. And I'm pretty much sure that if you look around this room, there are many others willing to stand with you. And young people, listen, if you're in the back, young people, in the front, young people, you stand up for what you believe to be true in Jesus Christ. And boys and girls, you better get each other's backs. Because that's what we do. We watch out for one another and we boldly proclaim and we boldly come around those who are proclaiming for the glory of God because we love the Lord Jesus Christ. But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. I want to be blessed. Don't fear their intimidation. Do not be troubled. It's okay. Let them laugh. They won't get the last laugh. You know, I'm afraid that as we progress in years, we become softer and softer and softer to the point of being so palatable that we cannot say anything about Jesus because we might offend that brother or sister. Listen. July 6, 1415, a man by the name of John Huss was given an opportunity to recant his beliefs. Did he recant his beliefs? Of course not. He was given a chance to recant his beliefs about Christianity, about Christ, and the teachings of Whitcliffe, but he refused. And when he refused, it cost him his life. He was taken to that cathedral, stripped down, and led to the courtyard, tied to a stake. And he was given one more chance to renounce his beliefs. And this is what he responded, Lord Jesus, it's for thee that I patiently endure this cruel death and I pray thee to have mercy on my enemies. A follower of us and a witness to his execution wrote that Huss, as he was being burned alive at the stake, sang a hymn, a psalm to the Lord. 
as he was engulfed by flames. We can't tell somebody that Jesus Christ died for them, that he loves them, And yet, I read about men over and over and over from history that have laid down their lives for the sake of Jesus Christ that were bold. And I ask myself the question, what am I doing for the Lord Jesus Christ? At least I can, with my mouth, boldly proclaim that, listen, Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. He loves you so much that He sent His Son into the world that you might have life and that you might have life abundantly. And there's no other way to salvation than through the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in the gospel and you shall be saved, brothers and sisters. At least we can do that. And even if we should suffer for the sake of righteousness, we're blessed. Us was bold in his persecution. You want to be effective witnesses? And it requires boldness. It requires that you are willing to stand up for your faith. To stand up for what is good. And to stand up for what is righteous. To stand up for the gospel. Now it may be more acceptable before men to recant. It may be less painful. But to suffer for Christ, I'm reminded, we're blessed. Look at Stephen. As he was killed for his faith. He was blessed. Look at all the people who gave up their lives for Christ. It's only in this generation where we don't actually have to give up our lives. And the fact that we don't have to give up our lives is we become lazy and arrogant and less boastful, boldful for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now what's really interesting as I looked over this, I I thought to myself, this is Peter. (laughs) You remember old Peter? He says, do not fear their intimidation. Do not be troubled. Wasn't this the same man that stood there and rejected the Lord Jesus Christ three times? What has happened? It seems to have a he seems to have a different attitude now. Something changed. He's no longer fearful of these men like he was that night. He has now become fearful of the Lord and no longer fearful of men. And it begs the question for us. Are you like the old Peter? More afraid of men than the creator of the universe, God Almighty? Or are we no longer fearful of men? Rather bold in the face of persecution. Bold in the face of righteousness. Bold in the face of proclaiming the gospel. Because in order to be effective witnesses for Christ, the reality is is you and I must be bold in our faith. They can hurt you physically. They can even hurt you spiritually. But they cannot beat you and destroy your soul. We need to be bold for Christ. 
in order to be effective witnesses for Christ. Peter, he, he's our example. And you may come this morning and go, you know what, Pastor? I haven't been bold in my faith. Listen, I'm not your judge. Right? There are times in which I haven't been bold. I'm not standing in here and telling you that I never struggle with being bold for Christ. All I'm saying is that when I read this, I'm convicted that maybe I ought to be a little bit bolder for Christ. Peter's our example. And he didn't always do it right. I'm not always going to do it right. You're not always going to do it right. That's why Christ came, the perfect one, to be the greatest example. So that we can be encouraged when we fail. He gives us grace. He gives us mercy. He didn't do so well at one point in his life, but now he encourages us that even though he has failed, we can now begin to be bold. Yet let your light shine in a way that they will see your good deeds and glorify God, your Father who is in heaven. We need to make sure that we are bold for Christ. Remember that Olympian runner, Eric Liddell, refused to run that heat which was held on Sunday? It was his best event. But because it was done on Sunday, he forced to withdraw from the 100 meters. His best event he pulled out of. And when the day of the Olympics 400 meter race came, Liddell went to the starting blocks and there a man, an Olympian team member, slipped a note into his hand and in that piece of paper it read a quote from 1 Samuel 2.30. It says, those who honor me, I will honor I don't know about you guys, but I'm encouraged by these men. I'm encouraged by them. Listen, in order to be effective witnesses, we need to be bold for Christ. No matter the cost. It may cost you everything, but if you are to suffer the loss of a job, the loss of a game, the loss of an event, the loss of a friend, the loss of a whatever the case may be, the reality is you will be blessed. Be bold in your faith. Matthew 5.11 says, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kind of evil against you because of me. Listen, if you are walking with Christ, people will persecute you. It just is a part of how it works. They persecuted Christ. You better bet your bottom dollar they're going to persecute you. But on the flip side, in Luke 6, 26, it says, Woe, woe to you when all men speak well of you. You want to fit in, folks? Especially, you know, I'm 40 years old. I'm, I'm at a ripe old age of 40. But, but I watch these young people growing, and it's so easy because I forget how it used to be of when I was young, motivated to fit in. Listen, young people, don't be so concerned about fitting in. Don't be so concerned about being so liked by the world and those around you. Because it says here, woe 
to you when all men speak well of you. If everybody has something great to say about you, you better be careful. Because listen, the gospel is offensive and foolish to those who are perishing. It's foolishness. Be careful not to want to fit in young people and old people and older, older people. When we decide to live our lives for Jesus Christ, we will endure suffering. Now, they may not come cut your head off. They might not burn you at the stake. But you can better bet you will be persecuted. You'll be mocked. Your grandkids will mock you. Your kids may even mock you. Your parents may mock you. Your grandparents may mock you. Your great-great-grandparents may mock you. The people that you work with may mock you. The kids in your school may mock you. The people on your job may mock you. And when you all grow to a ripe old age of 18 and you graduate that high school and you step off into the beloved university, you better bet, watch out, Jack, because it's coming. You're going to get persecuted by Christians because you have a narrow belief that Jesus Christ is the only... Listen, we are entering a culture in the universities that is horrific. I mean, solid universities that over the years have historically stood on sound doctrine are folding by the minute for the sake of culture. When we decide to live our lives, oh, we will endure suffering. But none of that matters. Because in the eyes of the one who does matter, you will be blessed. We need not only to be bold in order to be effective witnesses, but thirdly, we need to be ready to share. You see, we can talk about it, right? But now it's time to take action. We can talk about being bold, and we can talk about all that other good stuff of being you know, strong in the face of righteousness and being bold for persecution, but now is when the rubber hits the road. We need to be ready to share. If you are not sharing, listen, you are not effective. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And the only way that you can hear the Word of God is by spoken word or by sign language. But the gospel has to be communicated for someone to hear it and believe it. You were born again, not of a seed, remember, that is imperishable, but one that is not perishable, but imperishable. And it's through the living and enduring Word of God that salvation comes about. In order to be effective, we need to be ready to share. So how is it that we can become ready to share? Now listen, I'm not here to beat you over the head if you haven't been effective. Again, that's not, that's not my... At, at the end of the day, it's not my problem if you're not effective. But my encouragement is that I want you to pray that I'll be more effective and I want to pray that you'll be more effective because I'm not perfectly effective and I'm sure you're not and we can all get better at being more effective no matter where we are. My objective and my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will convict your hearts. That He will convict your hearts. 
and give you that passion, give you that desire to be bold and effective and to be ready to share your faith. So how can we become effective? And how can we become more effective? He says in verse 15, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. The first step is to sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. To set Him apart. Think back for me, it was March 25th, 2001, when I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Before then, I was nothing but a sinful, wretched dude in search for the next sinful activity that I could get myself into so that I could have a joyful life in my sin. March 25th, 2001, though, standing right there in those pews, I clenched that back of that pew, and that man called forward the gospel, and I came and received him, and I began to follow him. And do you remember? you remember? How great that day was. Think back, rewind it. For some of you, it was a long time ago. For some, not so long ago. But you remember how enthusiastic you were for the things of God, how you just longed to to open and, and read the Scriptures and God was pouring into your life and you could hear the Holy Spirit and there was great communication. then the world crept in. And the things of the world crept in. And you began to seek, to grab, and to search, and to desire all everything but Him. You see, Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you search with me with all of your heart. You see, in order to be effective witnesses, you and I must set Christ apart. We must sanctify Christ as Lord of our lives. How do we desire the Lord Jesus Christ these days? There in Revelation, we see the message that the church at Ephesus got. Remember, these are saints. These are faithful men and women in Christ Jesus. But as I was reminded of this this week, what I find here is terrifying to me. He says here in Revelation 2, 2 to 5, I know your deeds, your toils, and your perseverance. All of those are good things, by the way. And that you cannot tolerate evil men. That's good. And you put to the test those who call themselves... That's great. And they are not. And you found them to be false. Great. And you have perseverance. Don't you want perseverance? And you have endured for my name's sake. That's great. And you have not grown weary. There's faithfulness in these people. But listen to what he says. That but word always gets in the way. But I have this against you that you have left your first love. This pierced me to the heart. Therefore, remember what you have fallen. 
where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first. And then he says, well, I'm coming to you and I will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Oh, that worries me. And it's one reason that I want to be a zealot for that which is good, for that which is righteous. It's why I want to be bold in the Scripture, regardless of what I'm called, whether you think highly of me or not, or my family thinks highly of me or not. Because there are churches all across this world. There are churches all across the United States, all across South Carolina, all across Hampton County in which God has removed their lampstand. And if we think that we can come and plop down once a week and not be motivated to be effective witnesses for Christ, that we too could be this very church in which God removes the lampstand in which He's highly blessed us with here in this church. Don't take lightly what happens on Sunday here. This is the day that the Lord has made. It's the Lord's day. Six days you shall work, but on the seventh you shall rest. It's the Sabbath. And we're losing sight of this as a Christian culture. The God of the universe took the seventh day to rest. These people worked. Oh, they toiled. They persevered. They put away evil men, but they had left their first love. Let me ask you this question this morning because this is what I had to ask myself. What is it, Stuart, that you have left? What is my first love? It's the Lord Jesus Christ in His Word. Have you left your first love? Do you remember that relationship you had with Christ through His living and enduring Word? Oh, we need to fall back in love with Christ and His Word. And the only way I can see that happening is through us to repent and pray that God will forgive us and to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit that He's given us through salvation. Some of us need to set Christ apart as Lord in our lives. They've never done that. They've never once trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior. Maybe your mom or your dad is a strong Christian man, but you, maybe you have personally rejected the gospel and you don't necessarily agree with what your mother and father believes or your grandparents or your aunts and your uncles or whoever it is. But the reality is, unless you repent and believe the gospel, you will never set Christ apart as Lord because it comes from knowing Him personally. You see, Jesus Christ paid it all and He wishes that you would come to Him. I don't care what you've done in your past. 
I've done some pretty bad stuff myself. Welcome to the real world. Most everybody in here has a past. We just don't know, want nobody really knowing what it was because they might judge us for who we really were rather than who we are in Christ now. Jesus paid for it on the cross. Calvary. And you lack one thing, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and the Bible says you'll be saved. You can stand in that pew and walk out of them doors and never inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, they've tasted of the Holy Spirit. They've tasted. They've come so close. They've, they've held in their hand, but they've never ingested it into their heart. Today, we're going to give an opportunity here to proclaim Jesus Christ before men. And I want you to know those that are unwilling to come forward and to proclaim Christ before men, it will not be good for you on that day of judgment. Come forward this morning and receive Jesus Christ. Don't wait. Don't let your pride. If you're in the back room in the fellowship hall, I'd bust this door down. We can replace it. Come in here at the end of the service and receive Jesus Christ. Don't wait another day because there's no guarantee that when you walk out of those doors, you're going to have another opportunity, another breath in your life. Today is the day of salvation. Why? Because He's given you life today. He's given you breath today. He's given you a voice to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ today. Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait another day. Jesus paid it all. And He wishes you would come. Would you do that this morning? And those that have professed Jesus Christ already, listen, in order to be effective witnesses, it begins with you and me sharing the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We need to be ready to share our faith. But fourthly, lastly, we need to be conscious of good. He says here in verse 16, and keep a good conscience. So that in the thing in which you, you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better if, 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 God, if God should will it so that you, are, that you suffer for doing what is right rather than doing what is wrong. Listen, we need to have good consciences as Christians. I, 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 you know, so many times I sit in, in my office and I pour over the words and it, and, and I can't think of anything that's more destructive to my walk with Christ than a bad conscience. Conscience, Knowing that I've done something that's sinful, that's dishonoring to God, that I've hidden within the souls of my life, it will eat you alive. And you will never be an effective witness for Christ if you don't have a good conscience. Keep a good conscience. And how can you do that? If you've offended someone, you go to them and you ask for forgiveness. And if you've sinned against God, then you get on your knees and you ask God to forgive you for that sin which you've committed, which you know down in the deep start of your heart is sin. He says here in Acts 23, 1, Paul, he looked directly at the Sanhedrin and said, Brothers, I have conducted myself before God in all good conscience to this day. Paul was a man with a good conscience. He said here in Acts 24, 16, I also do my best to maintain always a blameless conscience before men, before God. Why? Because in order to be an effective witness, 
we must have a clear conscience. You see, when word spreads that a person is bad or done something evil, it seems true at face value, doesn't it? Listen, it it doesn't take but just a little bit. Oh, did you hear what so-and-so said? So-and-so did this, or so-and-so did this. And the first thing you do is, ding, guilty. Right? So you see, they can talk evil about you. They can say whatever they want about you. They can revile you for the Christ's namesake. And at face value, it seems true to the one hearing it. Why would this person lie to me? But listen, it's not until the one who hears the slander sees for themselves the good that really exists in that person that has been reviled then and only then is that one that's been slandered put to shame by the one who said it. Listen, this is happening right here in our community as a church. We're called the Holy Roller Church just in case you want to know. It's said on the market that uh, I check all of your W-2s to make sure you're tithing properly. Okay, If anybody in here has given me your W-2s, just come on forward and give testimony for the world to see. Listen, they will slander. But let me tell you what happens. The person who told me this, I've spent a lot of time with. And you know what I've done? I've allowed that slanderer person to look so foolish because I just go love on them. And as we get in this community and we just love on people and they go, okay, well, they're not that bad. Then the one who is slandered becomes foolish. But it begins with us having a clear conscience. You see, if we have a clear conscience, they can say what they want about us, right? They can say whatever they desire, but in reality, it doesn't matter because my conscience is clear. I can honestly say that I stand here in this pulpit 100% with a clear conscience. That doesn't mean I'm perfect. That just means I have a clear conscience today. Now let me mess up and it'll get a guilty conscience and I have to repent and I'll ask to ask God forgive me and I may have to ask for me to forgive you because I've offended you in some way but the reality is is we, if we're going to be effective witnesses we need to have a clear conscience for God's sake. Listen, we need to be zealous for good. Bold in our persecutions. Ready to share and have a clear conscience. And this morning, if we're not effectively doing those, we will not be effective witnesses for Christ. Will you this morning do what the text says, repent, turn back to God so that we can have an effective witness for Christ. We would like to thank you for joining us on our program today. We pray that you were challenged, encouraged, and hope that you will stay connected with us for the weeks to come as Pastor Stewart walks us through the book of 1 Peter. If you don't have a church home, Pastor Stewart would like to personally invite you to join their worship service at Family Bible Fellowship in Ridgeville, South Carolina. They meet each week at 11 a.m. For more information about the church, visit them at familybiblefellowship.org and To find out more information about the ministry of Pastor Stuart Guthrie, check him out on the web at gettingintheword.com. Thanks again for being with us, and have a great week.